0: From LPM. Louisville Public Media. Okay, wow, we are, you know, we are an established band. We're not going anywhere. I'm Erin Keene.
1: I'm Sean Cannon. This is These Miracles Work. Welcome to our bottle episode. (laughs) I guess that's what this is. We're taking a break from the main story, the narrative that you're actually here for. Uh, So that Aaron and I uh, can talk to uh, critic Annie Zaleski about Stay Positive. Because if you couldn't tell, Aaron and I both, big fans of the band, we did not want to waste an opportunity of doing a podcast about Stay Positive and about The Hold Steady without actually geeking out about it.
2: Right. So if you don't care at all about what three critics think about an album that was released 10 years ago... If you just want to get back to the band telling their story, um, go ahead and skip to episode five. Our feelings will not be hurt.
1: Mine may be a, uh, uh, just a little.
2: I-, I will be offended on Annie's behalf because she's delightful and she took time out of her schedule to talk to us about this album. But um, and she's brilliant, <laughs> unlike me. So um, but you know, that's it's fine. It's fine. We'll just over here. We'll be quietly offended
1: over here. So if you are still here. We need to talk a little bit about the context of Stay Positive, particularly as it relates to today. Ten years ago, 2008, uh, it was a weird year. Lehman Brothers collapsed uh, just two months after this was released. The subprime mortgage housing crisis, which seems like it happened so long ago, it hadn't even really happened yet at all. It had started, it was bubbling up in 2007, but it was really pretty much after this record came out that we felt the full effects of it. The recession was happening. The whole country was kind of going to shit, it felt like. The thing is, there was also this guy, Obama. He'd come around. He was uh, he was making people feel hopeful. That feels like an entire lifetime ago at this point. So there was a lot of stuff that the record wasn't really tapping into because... The entirety of the negativity and the entirety of the positivity that followed Stay Positive hadn't really happened yet. So the way most people experience this record was not how the record was made or not why the record was made. But also, when you look at 2018 and where we are now, it almost feels like the record was made for today. That Stay Positive was an album out of time. It's become more relevant than ever. Which is, I think, uh, why Aaron says here.
2: I feel like I need stay positive now, maybe more than I needed it ten years ago.
0: Stay positive is actually my favorite Hold City record, um, and I think this is actually the one that I really jumped jumped on, and that I really kind of really resonated with me. And I was at the time that it came out, I was doing a radio show in St. Louis. Um, At a community radio station. And so when I would do my show, I would play songs from the record all the time because there was just something about the album. And, you know, I'd liked them before. Um, I think, you know, I think I'd seen them at Lollapalooza around this time, maybe either before or just after the record came out. And like, I got it. Like all of a sudden I saw the band. I'm like, I completely understand now. Like this makes sense. And so I was really excited about this record. And it just really, probably because this record reminds me of so many other artists I like. It just, it just really, I just loved it. And so this is it's like, to this day, this is still my favorite Hold Steady record. I think the songwriting is just really strong. I mean, I am a sucker for a big hook and big chords and everything that's a little bit over the top. And that's what this kind of reminds me of. Craig Finn really came into his own as a songwriter. You know, I think before, I mean, obviously he had written these very vivid characters that people could really relate to, but the the characters, especially on this record, felt like they were very fallible and they felt like they were very human. And uh, that really, I guess, I think resonated with me too. And I I read an interview with Craig, I, I, I was kind of doing some research, and he talked about how on Stay Positive, he kind of flipped and was even talking about himself a little bit because the band had reached a certain level of popularity popularity. And he said that, you know, I've got a lot of old friends that are getting back in touch. And he said that in Spin that he was reconnecting with people because people had sort of kind of discovered him. And I thought that was very interesting, too, because he's kind of, you know, very subtly putting himself and his own experiences into these characters, which I think might also might be why I related to it a little bit more.
2: In some ways, I might think of this as their first grown-up record not their first record as grown-ups but uh certainly one that maybe moved beyond because i know that they ex- you know the universe started to expand a little bit away from the pretty tight cast of characters that um that we started out with in in the whole, the whole study verse but more than that if it definitely felt like things were happening that could maybe not be overcome or um there was a lack of of um like as a narrator, Craig sounds wearier in that way that one is when one realizes that you know it's has sort of hit that point um I think of uh grown upness when you sort of look at the at at the world and think like bad decisions aren't um are gonna stick with you maybe you know I mean, I don't know, I think about like one for the cutters versus chill out tent, and there's a there's a big difference there in the um in the action that happens, and in the how how does one, how do, how do the the characters in that learn to move beyond it? They
3: didn't seem that different, up until this one little incident. They didn't seem much different. Now the cops wanna question everyone present. They parade every town and town through the stations. But no one says nothing and they can't find the weapon. The girl takes the stand and she swears she was with her. her father's lawyers do most of the talking.
0: You know, it's it's almost like they were sort of because they were becoming bigger, there was a little bit more of awareness that okay i'm I'm a narrator and my words, you know, it's not like they were just writing these songs and, you know, uh, appealing to, you know, kind of a small group of faithful. They were becoming a lot bigger. And so they're describing these things and they had a place in the world. And so maybe some of this was them kind of having a little bit more awareness that, okay, wow, we are, you know, we are an established band. We're not going anywhere. So, you know, what I say has portent and what I say has meaning and people are going to be listening to this and people are going to be taking meaning from this. And, you know, like it's funny because like he, you know, and, and I think one for the Cutters is interesting because when he mentions some kids house in Cleveland and, you know, Craig lived outside of Cleveland when growing up. So there's like little like. Kind of references to his life, kind of sprinkled in again, which you know that he was kind of putting himself into these narratives a little bit, but kind of in a way that's like, all right, I'm not taking away from you know the bigger characters, but I am in there, and I'm a little bit more involved in the songwriting and my own you know kind of personal you know observations and weird feelings about what's going on in the world and what's going on with our band are there more. And so I think that, that song especially, I think, just really, you know, kind of hit me because of that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think Lord, Lord I'm Discouraged is a great example of that because he ha- he has talked about how personal that song is to him. And and you can tell because it doesn't have, you know, I mean, I think that there's just like a lot of Hold Steady songs up before this record that because the narrator character is also a little unreliable, there are a lot of them are sort of done with a bit of a wink it's easier to romanticize um, sleazy, scary, drugged out experiences when you're younger a little bit because we're all a little more resilient when we're babies, you know? And like, I mean, as as older as you get as a human being, you start to sort of see how um, at some point these things start to leave more lasting marks maybe than you would have thought at the time. Um, Yeah, I think about that one because there's nothing, um, it's a very unsentimental Beautiful song about someone who is, um, who has lost somebody. And it's, there's nothing like, um, you know, sort of glamorous ruin about the subject of that song at all. It's all just really painful and heartbreaking.
3: And I'm almost lost but I bought back the jewelry she sold. And I've come to your altar. Then there's just nothing, and she keeps the and are none of my business.
0: I mean, I, th- I think that's a really good observation. I mean, when you read the lyrics to "Lord, I'm discouraged, you know, it's such a powerful song because it's about someone who's not just down on their luck, but, you know, potentially struggling with addiction and struggling with uh, an abusive relationship. And, you know, and this other kind of omniscient narrator who obviously must have been involved with this person at some point and being like, you know, my face is being tested. You know, how do I how do I deal with this? Like, That's serious stuff. That's not just like, oh, I'm out at the bar and I stayed out too late. Like, That's really life or death stuff. And, you know, I think in terms of, you know, there, there takes a kind of a mental sophistication to be able to write a song about this in a way that's kind of clear-eyed and not necessarily, you know, cloaking it in any sort of, you know, cutesy metaphors or anything, but, you know, coming straight out and being having very stark language and describing what's going on. Like, that's very brave, too.
1: Well, I also think about all of this, too, you know, I guess coming at it from, like, the idea that it's a grown-up record is is this sort of realization of that you have as you get older, that karma is real. And what I mean by karma is not what people think of it. Like you do bad things, the universe is going to send bad stuff, but it's the idea that things just perpetually pile up and everything leads you to exactly where you are and that there's no easy way out and you just have to dig yourself out somehow. And when I hear stay positive, in my mind, that's what it is. It's like I've had these experiences in my life that have accumulated – the only way to get out of this situation that that the universe has led me to through my own acts is to really, really, really stay positive here. Because it's going to be a long, hard slog.
2: There's also just that delightful Midwestern understatedness, too, to all of this. Like, stay positive. Not like, you know, there's nothing overwrought about the... Um, the sort of encouragement to, you know, stay po- stay positive. It's kind of buttoned up. It's not over the top. You can tell somebody that in a way that's also like, have a nice day, stay positive, keep thinking positive. Like it's not, you know, even when you're confronting some really big existential and, you know, sometimes like faith-based crises and um, the use of discouraged, which, you know, Craig talks about it being from his, his a thing his mom would say, but like it's a song about despair in a lot of ways, um, not just the narrators, but the subjects as well. And to to use the word discouraged instead, it's like this nice balance of um, that kind of that keeps the sentiment but strips out the sentiment, the over sentimentality. You know that a song with the, that kind of big feelings and big weighty subject matter could really easily like. There's nothing ever anything maudlin about those songs, and I think that is that like that midwestern tendency to like not be too effusive about your emotions, maybe. <laughs> keep it together kids.
0: It does like, you know, like reading, just like reading the lyrics of the title track. And it's, it's, it's so quaint to read, you know, them talking about the scene and the music scene. And that is what they're, you know, they're, they're they're talking about the, the people in it who, you know, might have kids someday and everyone's getting older. It seems so simpler. And or so much, you know, just so much more like, oh, this is the biggest thing we have to worry about. Like, oh, the scene's kind of weird. It was almost it was such a luxury to have those kind of worries, because now it it just feels like, you know, well, you know, could you even I don't even know where to begin in terms of like comparing the two. But yeah, like the title track, the title track is always one that I really I also just really gravitated toward because I mean, when he says we got to stay positive, that's so simple. But like when he says it four times, like in a row, like that's it's kinda like, no, I really mean this. And that's something that's so profound.
3: We gotta stay positive.
1: All right, now, we've talked a lot about how, how great Stay Positive is. But, you know, no record is perfect. And even though Aaron, Annie, and I are hold-steady homers, we're hold-steady stands, as it were, uh, we wouldn't be doing our jobs as critics if we didn't actually talk about the weaknesses of the album. Now, Annie and Aaron, they each have tracks that they've got issues with, and you're going to hear about that in a second. But for me, I think magazines is a low point on the album. You know, lyrically, it just... It feels half-hearted. The main character seems completely underdeveloped. It, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And even that uh, magazines and daddy issues pun feels a little beneath the band. Now, sure, it'd be great for another band, don't get me wrong, but we are talking about The Hold Steady. I always wondered why that was, why it felt that way, until I talked to Craig for this podcast didn't make it into the show, but he, he admitted that the song was about a breakup that only lasted a day or two. So it kind of makes sense now when you think about it. If you're going to get back together with somebody, or if you're already back together with them, you're not you're, you're going to temper your characterization of that person maybe just just a little bit, because you have to you know live with the consequences forever. But as for uh, the rest of the crew, well, here's what Annie had to say joke about Jamaica the record ends on such a great
0: note with the slapped actress you're like yeah and then like uh, you know everything before that because it's so powerful and then you're like oh okay you know and then it's you know I think maybe because it was sort of like joke about Jamaica was sort of a callback you know they mentioned Led Zeppelin and you know they're talking about a girl getting a ride home from the bar and you know and that's you know I don't know It, it just seemed like a little bit more of like hold steady by numbers maybe and I think maybe that's why I was like, oh, OK. And it, it kind of felt like out of place because the rest of the record was so sort of advanced in a way. You're referencing like Led Zeppelin. It's like, OK, you know, that's I get it. That's clever. And, you know, I, I don't know. I'm sort of like, yeah, there, there were better, better songs.
3: was so cute when she said, die or make her. Oh, the voice knew it was a joke about Jamaica. She'd always find a ride back home from Talk about the music born into every single
2: tune. They used to hum against her lips with their hands on her hips. They used to kiss in the car. The song that um that I've had a complicated relationship with on this record is Slapped Actress. And not um, not because of the I think the sound of it is really, I think you're right on that like sort of heavy grunge um, influence is. Um, I'm predisposed to enjoy that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, I, I, and it's a really, um, and it's it's a really interesting song. There's so many layers to it. There's the whole, like, you know, the the whole, um, the real anecdote about the actual actress, you know, getting slapped instead of wanting to act it out. It needs to look real. Um, the whole Cassavetes thing is all really intriguing. And, um, but, so I'm, I'm at this Hold study show. So they're doing Slapped Actress. And you know how when you're in the crowd in a Hold Steady show, because Craig has all of these, like, hand signals and things that he does, you know, at certain points in every song, and you learn them. And it's like a, it's, it, it's a form of, like, visual call and response, right? Craig had nothing to do with this, but I watched this guy go kind of <laughs> freestyle and sort of make up his own. And when Craig gets the line, sometimes actresses get slapped. This guy does this like picture, like he's got his hand up in the air, and he's like doing like a like a, a like a backhand front hand slap, like on the beat with it. and there was something about that that really stuck with me. I've never really he- heard them talk about feminism in their work. I don't necessarily think that that's a. So that's obviously not, like, a stated overt goal of, you know, a mission of what they do. Um, I don't—I think that as a as a, a, a listener and as an academic also, I think that there's, you know, the, the women who are characters in the songs have agency and they have um, complex inner lives. And um, so I so I appreciate them as far as that goes. As a feminist, I appreciate their work. I guess I can say that, you know. I would never want to, like, ascribe feminist. to— purposes or underpinnings to someone's work that didn't, wasn't really thinking that way. Um, but that part, the slapped actress thing made me stop a little bit. And I, and that's when I started to kind of think like, what's going on in this song? And what is, um, and who is the I in the song? And who is the we and all that? And I still haven't really successfully untangled it for myself. But I thought about that. And I thought about like the the line, sometimes actresses get slapped and, um That was maybe the only time that I thought this is a lyric that, that I, that gives me pause about like maybe not, I think if a woman was in that band, she might have raised her hand and said,
0: are we sure we want to frame it that way? I don't know. Yeah. And it's like, you could have used the word actor instead, you know, actors get slapped, you know, actresses have such a specific connotation too. And you know, especially now, I think when talking about you know the record ten years later, like if that song came out now, people would definitely give it would kind of give it more than a second look and be like, what is he talking about here? Is he advocating violence? Like I think in the in the lens of the kind of the culture we live in now, that would definitely get more attention. I think.
2: Yeah, it was, and it was something that you know, as being a longtime fan and a and a close reader of their work, it was never something you know the first. You know, 10,000 times I listened to the album that I ever thought of because I, because you come to, you come to an artist with an understanding of who you understand them to be. And like, there's nothing in Craig Finn's body of work or public demeanor or up close meeting him after a show demeanor that gives you any indication he's anything but like a stand up good person. Yeah. Stand up good person who is, is draws on some pretty deep wells of empathy in his work. Um, but that was, that was just the only time that I thought, I wonder if like, this this reads different to me now seeing how some like 23-year-old kid in the um, in the audience who clearly also maybe had some aggression issues was was embracing that line as like, I don't know, in a way that it was clearly not ever intended to be. Um, and maybe it's just who the eye is in that song. You know, like when you play so much with narrator and it's so, and yet this is also an album where, Sometimes now the narrator, like Craig, as he says, you know, shows up in his own songs like there's it's such a it's a permeable wall there. Um, I don't know. I, I wonder how that song would be if the speaker or the narrator in that song identif- identified more with the Jana Rollins character, identified more with the actress than with the slapper.
0: You know, I think a lot about just because I do like classic rock so much, how unfeminist it is. And I think that's the biggest difference between the Hold Steady, even though they're very classic rock influenced and, you know, or, you know original classic rock, is that there's so much more awareness. They, the Hold Steady really picks and chooses different elements of classic rock and kind of has made it, has kind of modernized it in ways that I think of a lot of other kind of classic rock updaters really haven't. And I think maybe that's one reason why I like them so much is because they really have taken a lot of the things about the genre that are good, but kind of added a bunch of more contemporary, put a contemporary spin on it. That was a, That's a little bit more palatable and a little bit more forward thinking and contemporary.
2: Yeah, it's all the guitar solos and none of the problematic
0: sexual <laughs> politics. <laughs> exactly.
2: Talk to you later, Annie. Alright, bye guys. Bye. See ya. If you're still with us, at the end of episode three, remember, Franz had decided to leave the Hold Study. Um, there was blog drama, and the band had to figure out where to go from there. So in episode five, which is our final episode, we're gonna pick up where we left off with the hold study moving on.
3: I was a split in the but these miracles were. I was a skeptic at first, but these miracles work I was a skeptic at first, but these miracles work I was a skeptic at first, but these miracles work